0: Hey friends, this is Kat Lee, and today we're chatting with Sarah Rodriguez about the incredible journey her life has been the past several years. Sarah is going to share her loss, her miracle, and the incredible faith and hope that she gained along the way. And I absolutely loved reading her story. I went through probably 500 boxes of tissues, but I left Probably more grateful for the smallest things I have in my life than I have ever been. It is a powerful, powerful story, and it's honestly an honor to have her on the show today. So, you're going to love. Hearing her story and being inspired by her. Uh, before though we get into our conversation with Sarah, I want to say thank you to our show sponsor that makes this podcast possible, and that's Plan to Eat. They are an online menu planning site, and they'll help you manage your recipes, uh, make your menu plan, and your shopping list. And I love that I can just throw stuff in there go to the grocery store and it's just all organized and ready to go for me. So you can get a free 30-day trial from plantoeat.com forward slash inspired to action. All right, let's get into our show today with Sarah Rodriguez. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing this morning? Hi, Kat. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. And I'm excited especially. Did I just say especially?
1: (laughs) Hi, I'm a writer
0: and I just said especially.
1: No worries. I think
0: my grandmother, were she still here, would come and just kind of do that little slap in the back of my head. Okay, I am especially excited to chat with you today because a second ago we realized that we have tons of friends in common. Yes. Because you go to a sister church of the church that I go to and Mm. That explains so much because as I was reading your book, I was like, "Why does this story
1: seem so very, very familiar to me?" Yes, and your church. It. Yes, your church was very instrumental in praying and really inter- interceding for my family. So I'm so appreciative of everyone there, and I love your church. You guys are the best.
0: Well, it's so fun. I love when we when connections like that are made. Yes. <laughs> So for everybody listening, Sarah has written a book called From Depths We Rise, which as a side note, as I'm in the process of writing a book, can I just say that title is just, I
1: love it. Thank you. You know, love picking it. a title for a book is much harder than than one would think. Because all of the good ones are taken, of course. Well,
0: that's what I felt about <laughs> this. And I'm like, did nobody, is that not already like a famous book title or something? Because that is just, I mean, it just sounds so... Emotional and triumphant, and I—I ah, was just like, that is just a great title from Depths We Rise. I'm just like, man, I just want a fist bump. <laughs> Whoever came up with that, I love that that Thank title. You. <laughs> um, so it, it basically, so share so Sarah, Sarah shares her story in this book of her journey, um, really of life because this has been a span of, um, I. I I guess it's been probably
1: like seven years, just the total journey that the book covers or? Well, if we start it, the infertility part, it goes back to about 2007. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So anyway, I picked up this book, um, just really with the intention of preparing for this podcast and y'all, I could not put it down could not put it down like I skipped lunch and everything just plowed through it was such a powerful story and um, I was telling my kids um, about it after school and so my daughter picked it up and now she took it to school and she's already halfway through Mm -hmm. so it is such a fantastic book such a powerful story Um, and with all of that intro I know everybody listening is like okay tell me more (laughs) yeah (laughs) so Sarah I would love for you for you to just give just the briefest intro really just about you where you are now. Now and, and a little bit about your family.
1: Okay, well, I am from Norman, Oklahoma. And that's a little suburb. Well, it's not exactly little, but it's outside of Oklahoma City. And um, I've been born and raised here except for a small time in my life where I went to New York City to live and that's where I met my husband Joel and, um, we were married for eight years and I have two children, Milo, who is four and Ellis, who will be two in November, um, a single mom. I am, uh, well, just finished a book (laughs) that's set to come out in October. And, um, that's mainly what I'm doing right now is, um, just single parenting homeschooling my son who's in preschool my daughter and we'll get a little bit more into her story but she does a lot of physical and occupational therapy so I've got a lot lot of places to get her and then in between that I write and I speak so that's a little about me and where I am. So you just have a little bit going on, just a little.
0: <laughs> yeah, I grew up in a single parent family, uh, so I know that that's well. I know as a kid, so basically I know nothing, but <laughs> I have a glimpse into just you know what that what that journey is is like, and um, so appreciate moms who who carry that load. Um, so let's back up a little bit though, okay. and so you were just average girl, average Midwest girl and you decide that New York City is the place for you to go as I'm reading your story though I'm like Lord please don't let my daughter do this
1: like (laughs) like Sarah did this I feel the same way I would never want my kids to do what I did but it it worked out well for me (laughs)
0: so you had you knew you wanted to go to New York City and then tell us a little bit about how, how you ended up actually
1: going there Well, I knew that I was drawn to New York city and I had gone there after I graduated college to do an internship working with inner city kids. And then when I came back to Oklahoma, it was then my life's mission to get back to New York. So my parents kept telling me they didn't want me to move unless I, um, was able to get a job first. And so I called this, I found a, a, receptionist job online and called the lady on the phone and pretty much begged her to give me the job so I could move there. And she said, "Okay, um, can you be here on Monday? And that was Friday. So I told my parents, who were totally shocked, and packed my bags and headed up to New York. I'm just having heart palpitations. (laughs) I slept on my friend's couch. I mean, it was just I wanted to be there so badly.
0: Well, it sounds like the true New York experience, though.
1: Yes. Definitely, definitely. Rite of passage. So
0: then how long were you there before you met Joelle?
1: So my mom before I left tells me to not meet a boy before I, when I get there. And I was like, I will not meet a boy. That would be so hard in New York. And I literally met Joelle the very first month I was there.
0: (laughs) So at this point you're batting two for two from a long perspective.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely.
0: So then you dated for a while and then you got engaged and you got married and life kind of just flowed along like normal and then things started to get a little bit bumpy.
1: Mm-hmm. It started off within our first year of marriage. We decided that we wanted to start a family, just assuming that it would be really easy and it would go as planned because everything up to that point in my life had just gone kind of according to plan. And I thought this would be no different. So we started trying and a year passed and another year and another year. And um we it was clear we were going through we were right in the thick of infertility and nothing that doctors were doing would work we tried surgery and drugs and and nothing was successful and it finally got to the point where they told us that after four years that IVF was our only shock to get pregnant and so we were making preparations to do that and then that's when we got uh, some really really bad news from my husband
0: And, um, that's when it it was right before you were planning on going on a vacation.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, I was about to turn, um, 29 that summer. And so I wanted to make it the year I called it the year of doing the impossible. So we, we were planning on going on a trip to Puerto Rico where my husband's from for our anniversary and we trained to run a half marathon and we were just doing all these kind of bucket list items throughout the year. Um, And we were literally just weeks away from going to Puerto Rico. And that was the last item on our list before we started IVF.
0: And then uh, Joel notices some some things and decides that maybe a trip to the doctor is in order. And then a bomb gets dropped
1: on you guys. Yes, I'll never forget. You know, he had had some issues with blood and and passing blood in his urine, and we thought it was just kidney stones because that's something that I had walked through a couple years prior. And um, the doctor couldn't control it with antibiotics, so sent him in for a CT scan. And we walk in to get the results, and the doctor just comes in the room, and the first thing he says is, sir, you have kidney cancer. And we were totally taken aback. That was not even in the realm of possibility for us. So you are
0: in the you know you get this news Mm -hmm. and then you guys um, do the the IVF correct? Am I getting this in the right order? It's jumbled.
1: Yeah, it's a lot to remember. We, we took a year off of IVF okay. to do chemo for him because he had a surgery and then they recommended chemo for a year. So we took a year off all things um, infertility and just focused our efforts on really the battle for his life.
0: Mm-hmm. And then when you restarted that, you got some good news.
1: Yes, we restarted. Um, we did IVF in our very first round. I became pregnant.
0: And then, um, so that goes on, but I, you know, I don't, I don't want to tell your whole story because there's so many, um, I mean, really so many ups and downs and twists and turns. And, um, it's just, I'm, I'm super curious Mm -hmm. what kind of got you through the whole thing. So I guess, let me, let me back up just a little bit, we're going to kind of just do a skim overview of just kind of the general whole story. So, so, you get some good news and then you get a little bit of bad news. Um, and then your son is born.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. My son is born. He's our long awaited dream come Mm -hmm. true. And a couple days after his birth, we find out that the cancer has returned and metastasized to my husband's lung at this point. So we had a three year old baby, three day old baby, sorry. And um, we had to jump right back into chemo treatments to try to save my husband's life. And mm-hmm. after a year of, of trying chemo and he had to have another surgery, um, he eventually passed away.
0: Mm-hmm. With some definitely some twists and turns in that process mm-hmm. to things looking better and then things looking worse. Mm-hmm. And then he said something very, very poignant In the midst of all of that.
1: Yes. There was a point in time where he had had um, one of the twists is that he had a stroke, a very unexpected stroke after his surgery to remove the cancer. And for a while, he was at a rehab center rehabbing. And, you know, we weren't having a lot of super in-depth conversations during that time because he was rehabbing all day. So by the time, you know, we sat down at night, it was, he was really tired. But he had this really lucid conversation with me that I'll never forget, um One day I was rubbing his back and he said, I need to tell you something. And I said, what? And he said, you and I are going to have another child and it's going to be a little girl. And I said, okay, honey, you know, I, I was trying to just kind of appease him a little bit because I was looking at him and looking at our life situation and knew, knowing that it was highly um, impossible that we would ever have another child. And he said, he said, no, you need to listen to me. We're going to have another child. It's going to be a girl and you know what you're supposed to name her. And this was a name that I had had in a dream years prior about holding this baby girl. So he was recalling the dream and bringing it to mind again. And I said, okay, okay, I believe you. Okay. And then the conversation, that was it. But I never forgot that conversation. And after his death, it took on a whole new meaning for me.
0: So I know everybody's listening and they're like, wait a second. (laughs) You just said that Joelle passed away, but then you mentioned your daughter earlier. So answer their questions that are floating around in their mind right now.
1: Yes. So after my husband's death, I had two remaining embryos and the clinic that we use, the fertility clinic, they don't destroy embryos. So I had a choice to make of what I was going to do with those. And I made the choice to implant the embryos and just put the results in God's hands. The, the statistics are pretty low when you unthaw an embryo and implant it. It's about 30% success rate. So I knew the odds were, were against us, but I just couldn't shake the feeling after that conversation with my husband that that there was just a purpose for this child's life and so I implanted the last two embryos became pregnant and he was right it was a little girl and I named her exactly what we had talked about her name is Ellis Claire
0: so I, I would love to know you know when you went in did you you got an ultrasound to find out if she was a girl or boy mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so knowing what Joelle had already said and then going into that appointment, What were your emotions like as you waited to find out what the technician would
1: say? That was definitely one of the most memorable days of the whole pregnancy because my mom and sister and a girlfriend were with me and all three of them knew about the conversation. So we were just sitting there and holding our breath and um, my daughter was being a little stubborn which is pretty true to her personality now and she was not showing her anatomy and so we were, we were. I was really worried that we wouldn't be able to tell and then finally she goes oh I see I see what it is it's a little girl and I just started crying and everybody in the room started crying and I turned and looked at them and I said he was right he knew and so it was a highly emotional moment.
0: So not only were your odds low from just the whole percentage point of the pregnancy happening, mm-hmm. but then there was the whole boy-girl thing as well. And so I just love how God just worked through that whole thing. You know, uh, Joel's faith in speaking that to you, your faith in believing it and taking action on it. And, and love that now you have little Ellis. Um, so- your story doesn't end there. And, and you know, it's so neat for us now to make the connection that um, you go to Antioch Norman and that I did read your story because as I was reading the book, I was like, oh, I wonder I wonder if this is about to happen because I've heard of this happening before somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that it was actually probably me reading about your story back when it actually Happened,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: things didn't go perfectly once Ellis was born.
1: No, um, when she was only two weeks old, one morning she woke up and she was really lethargic and a little, a little hot, a little pale, and I immediately took her into the pediatrician, who then transferred us to the emergency room. Um, And when she was there, she stopped, almost stopped breathing. And so they put us in an ambulance and drove us up to Children's Hospital. And by the end of the evening, she was on a ventilator. And she had been diagnosed with bacterial meningitis and given very, very low odds to make it through.
0: And so I'm not going to... Share how exactly the story works out because y'all, seriously, when, when I picked up this book yesterday, I was, it's, you know, the second week of school. I have kids in three different schools. It feels like it's been kind of exhausting, whatever. I was a little whiny. And so I read Sarah's book and read her story. And by the time I put the book down, I was just like, I am so excited to make dinner tonight. I am so thankful Mm -hmm. that I get to make dinner for my kids tonight, because if Sarah can have all this strength to endure all these ups and downs, surely I can have a good attitude to make dinner for my family tonight. And I know that sounds like the Mm -hmm. silliest little example, but y'all, um, Picking up this book will absolutely give you a perspective shift um, on your life, not just to be grateful and thankful for the the little things that are, quote unquote, just going normally in your life, um, but also just for, you know, the courage that God can give us. And, and I, as I was reading your book, I also thought about how, you know, if you could have that amount of strength and courage in the midst of all of that, what if— in the midst of normal life, of life not being having all these difficult ups and downs, what if we could live with that same amount of courage but yeah. be impacting other people and be living um, for the kingdom and be walking out the things that God calls us to? And so it really just challenged me on so many levels. So I'm not going to tell you exactly how Ellis went from literally— um, You had your entire family and friends gathered because they were going to pull her off of life support Mm -hmm. um, to now Ellis being two. So, guys, pick up the book and read how that works out because it is so amazing and powerful and tear jerking. Um, But I I would love to just take a little bit to talk about, you know, we kind of glossed over the whole story. But in the book, there are some deep, deep, deep emotions Mm -hmm. Um, obviously some deep heartache. What Mm -hmm. carried you through all of these ups and downs?
1: You know there's a lot of wrestling within those pages. And I wanted to be really raw and really real with my journey throughout this process and the questions that I was asking God, because I think that there's a lot of power in telling stories in a vulnerable way. And throughout that entire season or many seasons of my life, I was asking God a lot of difficult questions, but I came to the point where I understood that He could handle it. He could handle every question. He could Handle every fear, every doubt, every worry. He could even handle my anger, um, which I was very raw with him. And um, but what I discovered is the most important thing of all is where you land, what's your landing point. And my landing point was God is good. And that sounds really simple, but when you're walking through literal hell on earth, it's really hard to say God is good because it doesn't look like He's good from the outside looking in. A lot of times it doesn't feel like He's good, but when I make the choice that I'm standing and resting in His goodness, that means that circumstances aren't going to dictate His goodness. That means that His character is goodness so nothing can change his character nothing can change who he is and so no matter how it looks on the outside if i can rest in that if i can if that's my landing point then then i can face anything and conquer anything because he is good so if something is happening outside of that goodness that's not his will that wasn't his will for me his will is to prosper and not to harm me now does he allow suffering absolutely does he allow things to happen Absolutely. But his will and his plans for me are good because he is good. And so if, if I feel like that's such a building block, if people would understand just the goodness and the character of God, that's what can carry you through any storm. And that's what carried me through those moments. Because there's so much hope in that fact. Absolutely. And there's so many promises that He's given to us. And because He's good, He will fulfill His promises. So when He promises to restore what was stolen, when He promises to take our ashes and make them beautiful, those are promises that we can trust in because of who He is. And He doesn't lie.
0: Um, What are some scriptures that you clung to? Are there
1: any particular ones Well, there's one in particular, and I'm horrible about scripture references, but um, it's the verse that says... basically I look now I can only see things as though I'm looking through a mirror. I see it dimly, Mm -hmm. but one day I will know as I am fully known. And that's kind of been my basis. It's like, God, I don't understand a lot of things that I've had to endure. I don't understand the things that I've walked through, but one day I will know. And one day you will be able to take me by the hand and show me this was my purpose throughout all of it. This is what I was doing behind the scenes. This is how I walked beside you. And I dream of that moment because that's the moment where it's all going to come together. And I will see um, firsthand his goodness to me. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you, this is sort of random. Do you know Lexia Meek?
1: You know, she was one of the ones that led some morning prayers for my family. So I haven't gotten the opportunity to meet her personally, but I know who she is. Yes.
0: She shares a story. uh, She has an amazing testimony and, um, She had some terrible news that she got when she was overseas. I don't know if you've heard this, but she... Landed at the same place that you did, talking about God is good, and she talks about how um, she heard one of the pastors at church say uh, he calls it buttoning your top button. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you button you, when you button your shirt, if you start with the top button, then all the other buttons are going to line up. I have a, a son yes. who he buttons his own shirts, and so I've seen this in <laughs> in action. <laughs> yes.
1: Um,
0: and so she just talked about you know, if you button that top button of God is good then no matter what happens, everything else is, is going to line up. And so I, I just love that different stories, different people who have not even met um, when they've gone through tragic circumstances landed at the same place with the exact same phrase, knowing that that is such a core when we're going through trials and struggles.
1: Yes. And that's what I tell anybody when they ask me, how have you gotten through? And I say, because he's good. And, you know, even for me to say those words, it's been such a journey to get there. Mm-hmm. But once you get there, it becomes this unshakable truth that that fashions and forms every every other belief system from there.
0: And I love that because if you can say that, having gone through all the things that you've gone through, it gives such a foundation for you know, anyone who has not gone through such difficult highs and lows to be able to say, okay, she has been on that journey. She has been um, to that, I don't want to call it a destination point or a mountaintop, but she has walked that road of probably most of our greatest fears. Mm-hmm. And she has still landed at the place that God is good. Mm-hmm. And it's such a powerful testimony to, mm-hmm. to all of us. Um, you know, one other question that I'd love to ask you is, what normal things did you miss the most in the midst of that journey? You spent a lot of time in the hospital. You mm-hmm. spent a lot of time um, when Joelle was not well after the the strokes. Um, and I think it would be encouraging and inspiring maybe to the women listening to appreciate some things that maybe they don't appreciate myself included right now about our lives or our situations and in the midst of that journey what what are some of just the little things that you never thought you'd miss that
1: that became very important to you that's a great question well the day that my husband was diagnosed with cancer i remember and i didn't but this I don't remember if this is in the book or not, but just hugging him in the living room and sobbing and saying, I'm sorry for griping at you for putting your socks on the floor. And he Mm -hmm. was like, what? (laughs) This is the conversation we're having right now. (laughs) But all of a sudden, you know, is this moment where everything became clear of all the things that did not matter. And when faced with the possibility of losing the love of my life, all of a sudden our squabbles about him not being as clean as I would like took a total back seat it didn't matter um and so you know it has a way tragedy has a way of bringing things into sharper focus in that way. But I would definitely say the things that I, that I missed during that time were just the normal things. I mean, I would see my friends on social media or whatever, just saying, you know, movie night with my husband or going for a walk or going to do this. And it was the most simple, basic things that when we're sitting in a hospital having chemo infusions, I wish that I was at home just, watching a movie on the couch. You know, it's the everyday things, the really small moments in life that we don't realize are moments to be treasured because of who we're with and because of what the alternative could be. And when you're in a hospital, you crave and you desire the really, really simple pleasures in life that we take for granted. Mm
0: -hmm. Did it feel like there was like a cloud over you so so say you had a m- somewhat normal moment or or waking up in the morning um before maybe the realizations hit mm-hmm. um did it feel like that or Am I just imagining?
1: No, I I liken it to like the elephant in the corner of the room. I mean, no matter what was happening, you know, cancer is one of the scariest things that you'll ever walk through because it's unpredictable. And um, once you start on that journey, you don't really know for sure what lies ahead. You can fight as hard as you can and do everything you can, which is what we did. But at the end of the day, you realize it's a life and death situation. So everything that we went through in life and, and even the small moments, that elephant was always in the corner of the room. And I was always fighting these doubts and fears of what I lose my husband, you know, my mind can go 100 miles an hour. And so I was always fighting just to bring my mind back in and reel it in and say, Sarah, it's going to be okay. It doesn't do any good to worry about your life five years down the line. If your husband's not here or not, you know, just try to live in the moment as best you can. But it was it was hard because that was always at the back of our thoughts. Yeah.
0: What would you? What encouragement would you give to the single moms for whatever, h- however they ended up there? Um, mm-hmm. It is a hard and challenging journey. Not just mm-hmm. you know the arrival at that situation, but just living life, just making it as mm-hmm. a single mom. Mm-hmm. What encouragement would you give them, or do you have encouragement? You know, keep it real. If man, this is just. Hard. Um, but I would love to have you share just a little bit to the moms that um, are going it uh, alone right now.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I believe that it's never a situation that any woman imagines herself to be in. Mm-hmm. I know I never in a million years thought I would be a single parent, but here I am. And it is the absolute hardest thing. In the entire world. Um, I wish people could have just a small understanding for what single moms go through just in the course of a day because there's so much on their shoulders. But you know, I my main encouragement, and it's not to sound trite at all, but this is not how we imagined our story would be. But I believe that God, in His goodness and His sovereignty, can take these tragic moments and bring triumph from it. Um, I think there's such a grace when you're a single parent or a widow um, where God really has to step in and meet some of these needs that you just physically are not able to meet yourself. And so there's another level of trust where you have to say, okay, you know, I'm trusting in Him to be father to the fatherless, I'm trusting in Him to take care of our family, I'm trusting Him to provide all that we need because it says in his word that he'll do it, but it's a daily walk sometimes. Um, and I know it's hard when your story isn't going the way that you had ever imagined, but, just trusting again, going back to the goodness of God, that in his goodness, that he will take this tragic moment and he will make your story triumphant. And that's what I believe for us. That's what I believe for my children, that they are going to grow up. Of course, it's going to be hard without their dad, but that God is going to fill every need and that, um, that their story is going to be great because of this and that they will not lack in any way.
0: Amen. You know, that that verse that talks about when we are weak, he is strong. You know, God fills in those gaps. And then, you know, so my story is that I I didn't know my mom. She passed away when I was a baby. And um, God just was able just in my whole journey of life to bring that full circle. And I was able to meet my mom's family for the first time several years ago on a compassion blogging trip to the Philippines. And um, he's used my story to start this podcast, to start a blog, to to minister and hopefully encourage moms. And so I just believe fully that whatever appears to be um, lacking in a single parent household, I believe that God absolutely fills in those gaps and it just allows an opportunity for him to reveal his glory, which is what everybody needs. You know, it brings the hope and the healing that everybody needs. And so he totally more than fills in those gaps and, and, um, I don't know, I'm almost excited for for what he has in store for your kids and for your story and for your life. So I'm okay. super thankful that you could be here today to share it with us and to encourage us and to inspire us. Um, yeah. And thank you for sharing your beautiful words in in your book.
1: Thank you, Kat, so much. It was great to be here.
0: Um, Where can people find you online? Where can they get a copy of your book?
1: If you go online, my website is uh, journeyofsarah.com, and that's Sarah with an H. And how my whole writing journey started was with blogging. And so I still blog regularly over on my site. And there's also a whole page dedicated to where you can find the book. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, christianbooks.com are kind of the three main ones, but you can pretty much buy it books are sold and the book releases October 1st. So I'm so excited for everyone to get in their hands and to read it. Okay.
0: y'all. I just think it is absolutely so exciting that Sarah and I were able to make this connection that it's just so neat when, when I can realize that looking back in time, Oh, I'm reading this book now, or I read this book yesterday, but then I was praying for her two years ago.
1: Mm.
0: Um, because Lexi and I have known each other since college and we know each other well. And so I'm sure that's how I heard your story. And, um, and that's why it sounded so familiar as I was mm. reading it. And so I love how God weaves those things together and um, y'all listening, go grab a copy of the book. It is powerful. You will not pick it up and put it down the same person. Um, mm. So thank you, Sarah, for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much, Kat. All
0: right. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: It's going to be a God day, a good day filled with His grace, His grace and sweet new mercy. May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way by His Spirit. With each breath that I take, it's feeling like a God day.